Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. So I've decided to remain ad and sponsor-free. So if you're someone who enjoys the show and can afford fancy coffee, please consider heading over to danielmiesler.com support. Become a member for just $5 a month or $50 a year. Becoming a member gets you the weekly companion newsletter full of all the links and stories I mentioned on the podcast and helps me to continue doing the show. And thanks to everyone who's already a member. All right, episode 135, security news. Digital Shadows performs a step-by-step MITRE attack analysis of Russia's GRU hacks against the United States. So MITRE attack is basically an attack framework. It describes all the different phases of an attack. And what it does is it allows you to map from real-world actors into the various techniques that they actually use, TTPs. And uh, what Digital Shadows did was they looked at the report that was put out regarding what was um, what was actually done by the GRU uh, in in uh, their attacks against the U.S. recently, and they break it down by what they did to uh, do recon, what they did to get the initial infection, what they did to get persistence. Uh, really cool analysis there. Ecuador is handing Julian Assange over to the UK. A video of someone taking around two seconds to install a credit card skimmer. This is uh, pretty cool. It's It basically shows how someone does a distraction and the other person just takes something out of their bag and just fits it right over the top of a reader at like a gas station. And uh, it It looked like it might have taken just like one second, but it was really, really fast. Facebook has suspended another analytics firm's data access. The company is called Crimson Hexagon, and they suspect them of misuse, obviously. Cisco has seen five new backdoors in their routers in the last five months. And Microsoft says they've stopped Russia from hacking three congressional campaigns. So this is kind of a response to uh, what happened in Finland, where uh, people are saying, oh, it didn't happen. And Microsoft is saying, actually, we saw it happen and we stopped it. Also some uh, plugging on their part for their own services, which is understandable and okay. Um, 35% of organizations don't have a cybersecurity expert. That seems about right. seems very high. I don't know. Sometimes it feels low, but sometimes it feels pretty high. Um, The primary threat in cloud deployments at this point is complexity. The more systems you have, basically, the more accounts you have, the more admins you have, you just have more complexity in your cloud environment. And that complexity, if not managed properly, can easily lead to misconfigurations and losses. This is something I see all the time. 
And uh, it's too many accounts, too many admins, and nobody really doing oversight. There are some good products um, out there. Can't really think of any right now. I, I know Evident.io is is one, I think. And then uh, the biggest player in this market, I really think, is going to be Amazon themselves because uh, they just keep putting out more and more little individual tools that are going to help a lot. And I think at some point they'll probably just put out a suite and start doing training and the native tools will kind of take over. But I think there'll still be a place for the third parties to do it as well. Breaches and leaks. Mega file storage had a bunch of data leaked from them. RoboSent voter data. Tons and tons of voter data leaked uh, from an open S3 bucket. And uh, Telefonica had a bunch of data leaked as well. It's funny. Uh, I mean, normally these used to be individual items in uh, security news. But now they're just so commonplace and so uninteresting that I have a separate section called breaches and leaks. <laughs> and I just list names. Um, and, and the details, I mean, if the details are crazy important, if it's like this, you know, Russia thing, it's like a spy novel or whatever, then, you know, talk about it because it's got a plot and it's interesting and, you know, you want to know what happens. But in most cases, it's like, oh, it's an open S3 bucket. Oh, they forgot to secure the website. They using default username and password. I mean, just kind of boring. Technology news. DARPA is looking to fundamentally change how electronic companies or electronic components are made. So just one part of the project, which is really cool. It focuses on building specialized hardware according to the algorithms and tasks that the hardware will be performing. So um, definitely one of the most ambitious projects I've heard from DARPA in a long time. And, and that's saying a lot for DARPA because they're coming up with cool stuff. But this is basically, they're saying it's going to affect people's jobs who make things. And, and I think that's probably right. They're talking about just completely changing how a system is set up. Um, I think they're talking about like more modular design, uh, custom built for purpose. Um, but it seems like the project has like multiple aspects, probably multiple projects within the project. seems like this is like a 5, 10, 15 year type of thing, but uh, could be really interesting. Researchers are now producing images of people's faces just by looking at their genome. That is next level remarkable in my mind. Um, what if they could combine that with influences like what they ate, um, their current weight, um, where they grew up, their education level, and just kind of factor in like all these environmental considerations and see if that would affect what they got from the genetics. It's like a genotype versus phenotype, right? Viz.ai is a company that uses AI to detect early signs of time-sensitive medical conditions. So this is probably going to be like skin cancer, um, whatever, you know, uh, x-rays, um, different things like that, where you can look inside, get an image, and then have AI look at the image. I think they're going to make a crap ton of money, assuming they execute well. Evolutionary algorithms are beating deep learning at video games. 
I talked about this in my chapter called Getting Better at Getting Better in the Real Internet of Things. Um, there are basically two different types of learning, right? Uh, one is just finding all the variables that are associated with a particular outcome and looking at tons and tons of variables and seeing which are correlated, which are causal, that sort of thing. And then um, evolutionary algorithms are all about, you know, try, succeed, fail, try, succeed, fail. And if you fail, um, you marry together two different things that were successful and you add some variation and then you try that and see if that works. And you just keep doing that until you win. So, I mean, it's obvious why you call that evolutionary. It's, you know, descent with modification uh, combined with selection. And that's just unbelievable. And what I talked about in my chapter was imagine combining these things, right? Where you're using these uh, evolutionary algorithms to keep trying, but you're also using uh, deep learning in similar techniques to find the patterns. I mean, stacking these is, is just going to be extraordinarily powerful. A Harvard study has found that open plan offices actually discourage face-to-face -face interaction as opposed to encourage it. And we just spent, you know, billions of dollars, especially in the Bay Area, building, uh, you know, to removing all the barriers. And what it does, it just makes everyone focus, face down, not make eye contact with anyone because that means you want to talk. Put on headphones and ignore the world. Uh, which is exactly what they didn't want to do. Uh, I, it seems like the right answer is to have separation and then have people move between separation to interaction and move from separation to interaction and have the freedom to do that so that when you do go to go interact, you, you, you're looking forward to it because you've been alone. Uh, whereas now you are in a state of constant interaction which you want to withdraw from and have your individual time. And uh, yeah, that's just not good. It, great example of economics um, in, in the non-financial sense where you're making a policy change, not understanding how it'll affect the real world. Uh, lots of people thought Best Buy was going to die like Circuit City, but uh, it looks like they're surviving largely in part uh, due to um, becoming like personal tech mentors or personal CEOs or uh, CTOs. So they're basically um, just helping you. They're saying, what do you want for your living room? What do you want for your personal devices? What do you want for, uh, oh, security, you need to do this. Oh, you need to upgrade your Wi-Fi. And they kind of just walk you through this. So I mean, ideally you would have a person that would be great. Right. I don't think it's quite that high end, but, um, it's a really cool concept where they're basically getting into consulting and services and that's how they're surviving against, uh, Amazon, which is pretty cool because if you think about the security world, I, I think this is going to happen as well with products where it's not just about the data you could provide, but can you provide the service that goes with it? Human news ultrasound on the brain appears to have some extraordinary restorative properties, including helping the formation of blood vessels and regeneration of nerve cells. Previous studies, it worked by removing plaques 
And in this study, it helps the brain actually grow. Also appears to have no side effects, which of course should be caveated as that we know of. Um, so it seems fairly safe. It seems to help different types of uh, dementia or decline or whatever. Uh, my question is, how do we get these devices um, or go get these treatments? I know several people who could actually use this right now. Um, and I'd like to do it myself as a, like a preventative or even like an enhancement technique. Kind of reminds me of the applying uh, electric fields, although I think that was very temporary. But uh, this is science I would like to see more about. A New Zealand study showed that working four days instead of five increased work and life satisfaction significantly while at least maintaining productivity. I really like to hear more about the productivity. Hopefully we'd see that go up. But uh, they, they said something about people doing more to automate their own jobs, which sounds amazing and awesome and horrible at the same time. Uh, we need to see some private companies step up and try some of these policies um, and see if they actually do result in more productivity. And if they do, you know, they should be adopted. Uh, hopefully in the Silicon Valley, we would, we would see that happen first. And um, even if it's not, you know, to make people happier, maybe if it, if it led to profit, people would, would do it. Researchers show that frequent sex increases a sense of meaning in one's life. So I, I think people who had sex versus who didn't, this is like college uh, people, uh, they just felt their life had more meaning, like days after, um, after having sex. So makes sense to me evolutionarily because uh, having sex means you're winning. So evolution likes to reward that with feelings of meaning. Uh, it's the same with good work um, and other types of things. Survival and reproduction. These are the core ways that evolution rewards us or the core activities that we get rewarded for. Um, Anti-herpetic. Sounds right. Uh, medicine, which is an antiviral against herpes. And it's not like the sexual kind. It's uh, like it's not like the cold sore kind either. I think it's some other like herpes five or seven or 12 or something, but it's uh, a type of herpes virus and evidently having it in your body and specifically your brain can cause uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and a bunch of things like this. I'm, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure they know exactly what, what the association is, but, um, they were giving a number of people over a period of time these anti-herpes uh, medicines, which are evidently really low risk and easy to get. And they reduced the risk of Alzheimer's by 10 times. That's just crazy. So again, why are we not getting more of this going? Uh, it turns out people shoot black robots faster than they shoot white ones, which is not surprising and super disturbing. Uh, so basically the racism will transfer over into robots as well. So evidently a bunch of people are making tons of white robots just for, because they think that should be the color for whatever reason. And uh, they got a bunch of people in a room and, you know, gave them fake weapons and uh, just put them in a bunch of 
really fast, you know, uh, immediate decision type situations, you have to shoot or you're not going to shoot or whatever. And I, I think they were actually shooting unarmed black robots more than they would shoot uh, or faster than they would shoot un, uh, armed white robots. So if they saw an armed white robot, they'd be like, well, let me assess the situation. But they're unsure about a black robot and they just shoot. So obviously some major bias going on there. Last year, OpenAI beat um, some amateur players, um, or actually some pretty good players in Dota on a one-on-one. But this year they're uh, competing in team play. Um, this is an AI team, obviously, OpenAI, who has uh, got a team they're trying to get, they're trying to do what they did for Go and chess. It's not the same team, but they're trying to make AI beat, you know, human players in another frontier here, which is, uh, you know, RTS games. And um, so they've already beat some amateur teams um, later. Uh, well, pretty soon in August 5th in San Francisco, they're going to play some high level teams. Um, and there are some limitations, like they don't have like the exact, um, the complete computer um, response times that they could actually have. They actually slowed the computer down a little bit to be more like a human because they're trying to test its decisions, not its reaction time. Um, and uh, they're actually playing a really advanced team on August 5th. Not quite pro. It's like a bunch of uh, former pros and stuff like that. But they're looking to actually compete against true pro teams at the Dota Internationals at the end of August, which I will probably be at again. It'll be like my third time going with uh, me and my buddy Jason and a bunch of our friends. So this will be interesting. Uh, see if this is the time where we get passed up in RTS the way we were in chess and go. Uh, or it might be a couple more years. Um, ideas, trends, and analysis. So craziest, biggest idea that I've come across in a very long time. Um, I captured in this book or in this uh, piece I wrote called the problem with Pinker's positivity, which I did a little bit of alliteration there. Uh, my apologies, but um, it's my analysis on how Steven Pinker is missing the point in his focus on how great things are compared to the past. So he's writing all these articles and, and I think I talked about this in a previous podcast, but it basically is writing all these books by better angels of our nature is about how uh, violence has been declining and enlightenment. Now it's about how just all these different things are so much better across all these different dimensions. And he is not wrong. I mean, it's meticulously well uh, researched tons of statistics. Like you can't really deny what he's saying. Um, the problem is I just read another book right after it called, the war on normal people. And I, I read this after listening to um, the author, Andrew Yang on Sam Harris's podcast. Um, and it was just, it was a great podcast. So I read the book like the next day um, or the next two days. And then I just really compared the two, right? So Yang is talking about how America is screwed. <laughs> the thing that Marx talked about is actually here this time. 
and we're not going to be able to just, you know, pivot out of it and find new jobs. Uh, a great analogy that he has is like, um, everyone's like, oh, well, if people lose their manufacturing jobs or their middle-class jobs or whatever to automation, they'll just find something else. Really? What is the 49 year old with no college and no real computer or tech skills who also doesn't live in a big city? What are they going to pivot to? Right? It's not realistic. Um, and people just want to believe that everything is going to be okay, but everything is not going to be okay. And this book talks about it. His solution in part is uh, universal basic income, which he talks about. And Sam actually hit him with a lot of good questions, like um, potentially why it wouldn't work and stuff like that. But um, he gave really great answers uh, to all those questions. And uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic book. And the polar absolute opposite of Pinker's book right? Pinker just spent, you know, 70 million pages talking about how awesome the world is and how we should be so happy. And, and, and there's just so many problems with that. First, the only people reading his book are the people who are already happy. Like 5% of people read books. That's I'm guessing, right? And who's reading Pinker's book? Uh, only people who already have the education and read books for fun. This is a very small number of people in, in the country. So I, I think he's just kind of missing things. Like he, he wants the world to be better. He's showing that the world could be better. He's showing that if people were to read his book and understand these things, maybe they would think things are better. And I kind of learned, I learned a lot from his book, um, from Pinker's book. I learned how much better things are objectively it doesn't matter objectively how good things are. You know, happiness is based on what you feel, not what is true. Right. So that, um, that, that difference between these two books is staggering. And I honestly feel like this book, the war on normal people is the most important book in America right now. Like if you're a leader, if you're a parent, um, a citizen in general, but definitely a leader or a parent, um, which arguably are the same thing. Uh, you just, you have to read this book. You, you have to get ready for this and, and try to help however you can, in my opinion. So, um, I would read this post, uh, of mine and I would definitely read the book. Uh, the difference between owed respect and earned respect at work and why they're both important and why punk keeps connecting people across space and time. So that was the ideas section. Discovery, my explanation of DNS rebinding attacks. So these kept being talked about. I've had a few questions, uh, you know, can you explain it? Can you explain it? So I wrote that. So a short explanation, hopefully it helps people. Uh, riot games, uh, approach to cheating defense. This is a pretty cool one. Um, national quality of no, the quality of national, the quality of nationality index. That was hard to say is a rating of the best countries to have citizenship and or a passport in. So evidently the super rich are like collecting, um, citizenships and collecting passports. And there are a few countries we could just outright buy it. One was like $23 million or something. Um, but yeah, these uh, evidently France is a really good one to have. 
Um, not exactly sure why. Must be like um, carry permits where the reciprocity is is the key. But um, pretty cool. Timeline of the far future. This is what's going to happen to the world and the earth and the universe and the galaxy um, over the course of millions of years. Uh, weekly spending of someone who retired with $3 million in net worth. Um, China has a massive need for bodyguards because so many people are now rich in a communist country. Very strange. And they have lots of schools that are creating these bodyguards. And Snipe IT or Snipe It. Um, open source asset management created by a fellow security professional who I know from Twitter and uh, who is very cool and awesome. And um, you should check it out. I haven't used it yet, but sounds better than uh, Excel at the very least, uh, which is what most people are using. Um, and I think it's for like all resources, like internal, external, um, all types of IT, as opposed to uh, my buddy Jeremiah's company and my buddy Nick's companies who are focused on web asset management on the internet. Notes this week, uh, within the last couple of months, I finished the following few books, Origin Story, Big History of Everything, The Order of Time, Bullshit Jobs, Factfulness, Enlightenment Now, A Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress, and The War on Normal People. I'm about to start Venture Deals, The Accidental Universe, Super Forecasting, and a few others. I don't, I don't know what um, yet. But I also need fiction recommendations. If you guys know of any really, really good fiction, I would appreciate that. And recommendations for this week. I believe, like I said before, The War on Normal People is a book you absolutely have to read. If you are hearing this sentence, you should be reading this book. It's uh, fairly fast. You will absolutely love it. It'll scare the crap out of you, but that's a good thing. And uh, make sure you're spending most of your time with positive people. This is a cool uh, piece on New York Times. Uh, you should check that out. And the aphorism for the week, abundance, even of good things, prevents them from being valued. Abundance, even of good things, prevents them from being valued. Miguel de Cervantes. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.